0: To start off our, our Christmas season. Of course, we are beginning a new series of messages today called It's a Wonderful Life. I can't think of a better way to start off than to, to have a, a bunch of baptisms. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, today, as I said, we are beginning a new series of messages. It's a Wonderful Life, and it, it may uh, shock some of you to know that the most popular Christmas movie of all time is not Christmas Vacation. Uh, I was shocked to discover that, but it's actually according to Reader's Digest, they said it's a wonderful life. Now, if you've lived anywhere other than like a cave for like this last seventy years, you've at least seen this movie one time, and you know that of course the the main character is a guy named George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. And uh, if you know the story, you know he's a guy. He was a good guy, uh, always trying to he had a big heart, reaching out to people, made a lot of sacrifices. But he just, I mean, just like he got, got the short end of the stick so many times. And so when the movie begins, he starts out, he's on a bridge, and he's going to jump over. And that's when an angel comes to him and begins to talk to him and tells him, Hey, listen, this is, this is what life would have been like had you never existed, had you never been born. And, you know, as you go through life, there, there are some of you who might feel sort of like George Bailey. I mean, you might feel like, I'm a pretty good guy Um, I I feel like I've got a big heart, I sacrifice for people, but man, it just seems like that I always end up getting the short end of the stick. doesn't seem like things are always like going my way, and so it can cause you to be frustrated and to look at life and and say, man, there's there's just some things that happen in life that I don't get, that I don't understand, things that happen in life that are absolutely not fair, and I'm with you. I mean, there's stuff that... That I see that happens, or stuff that's happened in my life, there's things that I've that I've seen in your life that have happened, and I say, I I don't get it. I don't have really a a good Bible answer for you that will make you feel good. But here's what I have learned or I am learning as I look through scripture. And that is that as mean as life can sometimes be, and as times when we go through life when it feels like that it's meaningless that God calls for people to hang in there. God calls for people to endure life. And so it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing today. It's a wonderful life, endure it. But you actually see that picture a lot of times as you go through Scripture. And today we're going to be taking a look at a major Christian doctrine, and that is the doctrine of the return of Jesus. Jesus. Now, it seems kind of strange when I mean, we're in the Christmas season, and so what we are doing typically as we go through the season is we are celebrating the first coming of Christ. But today I want us to celebrate that there's going to be a second coming of Christ. And because there's going to be a second coming of Christ, one thing that we can know that even though life can sometimes be tough, or many times be tough, that we can endure it because there is a promise that God gives that he's going to come back. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to look in verse number 36 in just a few moments. So if you have your Bible or maybe you have a phone or something like that, uh, look it up, Matthew 24, verse number 36. And just a little background information about what's happening at this time is Jesus had been at the temple, and Jesus was teaching there, and there were some religious leaders of the day who didn't like Jesus. And so they came to Jesus and they're asking him all these questions, trying to trip him up because Jesus has become popular. And they, they want the recognition, they want the attention back on them. And so as they're trying to trip up Jesus, Jesus, as you look through the Gospels, he gives them these answers that are great. As a matter of fact, it came to a point where it says this concerning the answers Jesus gave. In Matthew 22, it says, No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Now, isn't that cool? I mean, wouldn't you like that to happen in your life? I'm still trying to give the kind of answers to where it's going to be so profound that my wife will never ask me another question again. But it hadn't happened yet. And so I'm sure that after Jesus gave answers like this, the disciples, I mean, they've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves, And the guy that we're following, I mean, he's, you can't put a dent in him. This guy knows what he's talking about. So they're feeling, had to be feeling good about themselves. And then after Jesus does this, they they go across a valley from Jerusalem onto the Mount of Olives. And as they go there, Jesus begins to teach them some things. And he begins to tell them some shocking things. One, I'm going to die. And then he also tells them, but there's going to be a day when I will return. Now, is the return of Jesus something that's really worth dwelling on much? I mean, it hadn't happened yet. We don't know when it's going to happen. Should we really focus on it? Well, I think we should. And I think we should because it's mentioned in Scripture over 2,000 times. Uh, The return of Jesus is a big big event that we're looking forward to. Um, It's prophesied about in the Old Testament. In the book of Zechariah, it says, On that day, speaking of his return, says, he'll stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half the mountain moving north and half moving south. Uh, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, it says that he went up and he ascended into heaven. And the disciples were watching him. And in Acts chapter 1, if you go down, I guess like into to verse number 10, there's some angels that came down and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. So there is a teaching through Scripture that there will be a day when Jesus comes back. Okay, now if that is a teaching that we have in Scripture, and I believe the Bible is God's word, okay, if it's taught Jesus is going to come back, there's some basic questions I think some of us have. And the very first question that I have about the return of Jesus, a real simple one, you know what it is? When's he coming back? I mean, does that make sense to you all? The Bible says Jesus is going to come back, so then I'm like, well, when's it happening? I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to know the time when it's going to be coming about. Well, the answer is actually given to us in verse number 36. It's not necessarily satisfying, but here's what it says. It says, now concerning that day and hour... No one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the Son except the Father only. okay, so when is you know when is Jesus coming back? Now most Christians I know would like for it to be rather soon. I fall into that category. I think it'd be really neat if Jesus came back and it's, it's right you know real soon, and it 's a selfish reason on my part. and for me, it's because if he comes back. That means I get to skip, like, the whole dying part. Does that sound attractive to you all? Now, I, I, I feel like I'm sort of like Billy Graham had a great statement about death. He said, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of how I'm going to die. That is me. You know, I just said, man, there's just, there's just uh, there's a lot of ways I don't want to die. And so I'm thinking if Jesus comes back in my lifetime, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. And so the question for me is, okay, he's coming back when? People have been making predictions for years about when Jesus is going to come back. Uh, in the 1830s, there's a guy named William Miller. The, he was in charge of the Millerites. They, they made a prediction that Jesus was going to come back in 1843. Um, he didn't, just in case you all didn't know. He did not come back in 1843. Uh, just a few years ago for us, you all remember Y2K? I, I'm not, we're not going to raise hands. How many of y'all like stored up a bunch of rice and bread? Okay, people were going nuts. A lot of people thought, this is, Jesus is going to come back because the computers can't handle it. You know, 1900s, it's just all messed up. A lot of people thought that Jesus was going to come back then. Did y'all notice that that he did not come back? Now, instead of us trying to figure out the day he's going to come back, here's what I, here's what I believe we ought to do. We ought to look and see, well, what did Jesus have to say about his coming back verse 36 he says now concerning that day and hour no one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only so so who knows when Jesus is gonna come back well according to what Jesus said no one knows there's only one person who knows when Jesus is going to come back and that is God himself only God knows when he will come now I sit here and I think well why can't we get a little inside information you know, if we are followers of Jesus, it seems like that God ought to let us know, you know, well, don't tell anybody, but it's going to be happening in October. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? But God doesn't do that. He just simply tells us, be prepared that I am going to come back. Just know that I will come back. So, so why doesn't he tell us? Well, I think part of the reason why God hasn't told us the day he's coming back is because I think it really does, it sort of weeds out who's truly committed to the Lord and who's not. You know, whenever, whenever you're not certain for sure when it's coming, you're just simply trusting that His promise is true. That's when you find out who the real followers are. Um, I, I moved to South Carolina in 1986. And when I came here, it didn't take me long. I mean, we lived in Columbia. It didn't take me long. I became a Carolina Gamecock fan. Now, it was, you know, I mean, it's, which is not, you can, you know, you can cheer or boo or despise me or whatever, uh, for that decision I made a long time ago, but I became a Gamecock fan. But I discovered rather quickly if I was going to be a casual fan or a committed fan. And uh, y- do y'all remember? For those of you who are Carolina fans, do y'all remember 1998? You remember that football season? We were one in ten. Now during that football season, I remember thinking, "Man, this is bad. There ain't no way it can get any worse." Well, 1999 happened. And then 1999 happened, and Carolina got worse. They went 0-11. and 11. Now, I remember, because I remember like on loss like 15 or 16, people would be like, hey, would you like some tickets to the Carolina game? Okay, this is when you find out who's a real fan and who's not. You know, trials and tribulations and you know, positive thinking, all that stuff, you find out who's really going to hang in there during a season, during seasons like that. The casual fan was quickly burned away. And I think in a sense the same thing is true concerning the second coming of Christ. That there are people who their whole lives have heard, Jesus is going to come back again. We haven't come back yet. And so some people just sort of fall by the wayside as time goes by saying, well, you know, that's a nice story, but I I just don't think it's ever going to happen. But those who truly believe simply hang on to the fact that God keeps his promises. Now, what are some questions I have about the return of Jesus? Well, when is he coming back? We don't know. Only God knows. And so if I'm truly a follower, then I just trust. What well, God says is true. Well, what's, it, what's another question I have about the second coming of Jesus? Well, it's this one. What will, it be, what will it be like before he comes back? You know, what will it be like before Jesus comes back? Well, look in verse number 37. So as the days of Noah were so the coming of the son of man will be for in those days before the flood they were eating drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and they didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away and so this is the way the coming of the son of man will be then the two men will be left in the field one will be taken and one left two women will be grinding at the mill one will be taken and one will be left Okay, now in my mind, you know, we think well. right before Jesus comes back, you know, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of, your TV's going to turn to snow, and there's, you know, lights are going to be blinking off and on. But when I look at our text, it says it's going to be just like it was during the days of Noah. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we need to revisit Noah. Y'all remember, what's the big thing Noah's known for? Y'all remember? The ark, there you go. First service was much quicker than y'all. Yeah, I man, it it's the ark, right? So he's, he was building a boat to get ready for a flood. Now here's the deal, it's never, there's never been a flood before. So Noah's going around, he's, I mean, he's, he's building an ark, people are like, what in the world is he doing? And there's a flood that's coming. Well, after he says that over and over again for a period of time and nothing's happening, y'all, it's like almost 100 years past and nothing's happened. I mean, don't you think, I mean, people start falling by the wayside. No that's crazy. I mean, it starts out, well, that's kind of a neat thing, he's building there. After a while, it's like, this guy is nuts. And so what are the people doing? Well, the text says the people are getting married, they're giving in marriage, they're eating and drinking. In other words, what's going on is they're just living out everyday life. Jesus says, before I come back, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be like regular. You know, people are just going to be living normal, regular lives. The Apostle Paul gives us a hint as to how Jesus' second coming would be. In First Thessalonians five, he said about the times and seasons. he Said, "Brothers, you don't need anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know that very well that the day of the Lord it will come like a thief in the night." What does that mean? It's not really expecting it. It's like it's going to be a surprise. And most people are going to be surprised when Jesus comes again. They're going to be they're going to be shocked. Now, sometimes surprises are fun, and sometimes they're not so fun. Sometimes surprises are good, and other times, you know, they're, you're like, oh, I, man, that one blindsided me. Didn't see that one coming, and it's not that enjoyable. Y'all, I'm going to tell you a story that, is, I saw it, I thought it was funny. It's corny, but y'all just laugh. And so it's a lady was baking cookies for Christmas, making cookies, and, and she hears a knock on her door, and there's this guy that shows up, and he's standing on the door, he's kind of righty close. And he told her, he said, "I'm I'm trying to earn some money for Christmas to buy my kids a gift." She goes, "Well, what what do you need?" He said, "Well, I'd like to do a little job for you if I could." And he said, "What well, do you paint?" He said, I, "Actually, I'm pretty good at painting." And she said, "Well, I if you go through my garage, going out, there's a I have a porch back there, and I'd like you to paint it." He said, "That'd be great." So he goes back there. She has paint back there, and she starts. Um, and he goes he goes back there, and he's painting. And so she's in her kitchen, still cooking. And 45 minutes later, he's knocking on the door. He says, "I'm done." I'm like, how in the world could you be done? She said, you've already painted my porch? And he said, well, I didn't see a Porsche in the garage, but I did see a Mercedes. Anyway. Okay, so that one didn't go good. So anyway, so that's like he was surprised. Now, there are times whenever surprises are good, and there are other times when it's not like, for me, that was sort of a surprise, your awful response. And so sometimes surprises aren't all that good. Well, when Jesus comes back, that's for a lot of people, it is going to be an absolute surprise. But Jesus said, you shouldn't be surprised. I said, I'm going to come back. You know, it's like right now as we live, you know, in general for most of us, I'm not saying everybody, but for most people, we have this feeling we will live forever, you know? And then when we get sick, when we see people die, it's like we're in shock. What happened? Guys, here's the deal. You live and then you die. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and then to face the judgment. Jesus said, I'm going to come back. You don't need to be surprised because I said I'm going to come back. The question is, do you believe it? The question is, are you prepared for when he will come back? So some, we have some questions about the return of Jesus. The first question is, well, when's he coming back? Another one, what's it going to be like when he does come back? It's going to be like now. Isn't his life's just going to be going on. Okay, so if those things are true, then here's the last question I have. What should we do before he comes back? What should we do before he comes back? Now, look with me in verse forty-two. Last verse, I'll read. It says, "Very simple. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming." We've been given a promise that Jesus is going to come back. He says, "I am going to come back." So, so how do we how do we prepare for that? What do we do? Verse forty-two says, "Be alert." Uh, that word "alert" it also means to give strict attention to. To stay awake, pay attention, stay awake. But you know, as time goes on, it's it's easy to sort of lose lose track, to lose lose thought on what the future's supposed to hold. It's, it's to me, it's like it's like when you drive. Have You ever driven a long distance before? And, and you and you drive and you know, you're wide awake as you start off, but then you, the road just keeps passing by, and, and then before long, what happens to you? you know, your eyes feel like they weigh a ton, and your head starts to lean forward, and you get the nods, and you're swerving all over the road. It's sort of like when I'm preaching, and I look out at some of y'all. You know, as I go on, you know, your head's popping or bobbing around, and uh, so so what do you need to do to keep that from happening? You need to pull over, and you, you know, to maybe take a little break, maybe fill up on some caffeine. Uh, just try to, to re-energize yourself so that you can make the rest of the trip. Well, in a very similar sense, that's what many of us need to do spiritually. I think there's a lot of people, we get the spiritual nods. You know, we've heard this thing, we've gone through Christmas so many times, we've heard these stories so many times, and before long, anytime somebody talks about something spiritual, you know, our heads start bobbing and weaving, and we're weaving all over the place. So, so what needs to happen? Yeah, we need to reconnect with God. Be re-energized by the promises that he makes. And and I think one of the best ways to do that, it begins with just simply take time to pray and to communicate and to talk with God. You might say, well, I don't know how to do that very well. How do you do that? And I was given an acronym that's really good for for praying. And I think just when you pray, take time to to start off at the peak and say for praise. Take time to praise God for who he is and the blessings that he's given you. Guys, we are so blessed. We are, we are given promises in Scripture, the, the lives that we are able to have, the fact that we are able to, to eat and to sustain ourselves. God has blessed us greatly. Give, give praise, and there's R, repent. When, when you pray, repent. Turn, turn, tell God, I'm turning away from those things that, that you've called me not to do. Now, I've been doing them, but, Lord, I'm sorry for that. And then A is ask. Take time when you pray to ask God for things. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for opportunities. And then why the yield? Yield yourself to what God says. Instead of saying, you know what, this life is for me, I'm going to choose what I want to do, I'm going to live for myself, take time to yield yourself to God and say, God, it's not about me, I will follow you. I will yield my will to your will. See, what, what God wants for you and me is so much more than what, what, we, what we want for ourselves. There's an interesting article about um, Mickey Rourke. He's an actor. And when he first came out, I mean, he was like a, he was a superstar. And then after a period of time, he just sort of dropped off the face of the earth. And then he, uh, just a few years ago, he sort of came back onto the scene when he made that movie, The Wrestler. He came back onto the scene. He got nominated for an Academy Award. I I thought it was interesting. I saw him being interviewed. And I just thought it was interesting what he said. He had been gone for like, you know, nobody really had paid much attention to him for 20 years. He comes back into this role and then he's getting interviewed as he's being nominated for an Oscar. And he said, my grandmother always told me God had a plan for my life. He said, man, I should have listened to her. He said, I should have followed God's plan because my plan stinks. Guys, when it comes down to it, that's absolutely true for all of us. And the way we stay on target with God's plan is we look into his word. See what God has to say. Psalm 119, 105. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light Unto my path. You know, we live in a dark world. And God's given us scripture to be like a flashlight that can just help us, you know, meander our ways through all the, the trouble and the turmoil of life. God's, God has given us a plan, He's given us a promise. And he says, just trust me. He said, I'm coming again. He came the first time on Christmas. He will come again. And so that's why he says, and lets us know as I look into our text today, hey, you know, it's, it, is, it is a wonderful life. Now, it's a hard life. It's a life where there's not a whole lot of fair things that happen. But Jesus says, endure it, because I'm coming again.